bet you didn't think you would hear from me today, but this episode was ready early and I just couldn't wait to share. My commitment to you and this podcast is an episode every two weeks, but if episodes are ready early, they will be dropped earlier. So here we are. Hello, and welcome to the Breaking Up With Anxiety podcast. I am your host, the anxiety nutritionist, gut and hormonal health expert, yoga and meditation teacher, spin addict, and cat mom, Taylor Jandro. And today, I'm bringing on my friend and relationship and manifestation coach, April Mather, to help me unpack how we can know if our romantic relationships are contributing to or even causing our anxiety. This actually happened to me, and no amount of dietary changes, gut health optimization, hormonal balancing, etc., etc., was going to eliminate the anxiety that was coming from a romantic relationship. But before we jump into the episode, I have some very exciting news. The Breaking Up With Anxiety recipe library is finally ready. Oh my goodness, this has been a really big project behind the scenes for me, like months in the making. And I have finally reorganized and pulled out all my recipes that up until now have only been available for my private clients. And I've pulled them all into a recipe library for you. Currently, there are 443, yes, I counted, (laughs) gluten and dairy-free recipes, including but not limited to uh, plant-based meals, those high-protein, yummy, warm drinks I have every single day, smoothies, meat-based meals, muffins, a whole bunch of other sweets, snacks, seafood-based meals, and then there's a whole holiday section. So holiday brunches, lunches, appetizers, starters, sweets, the whole shebang. And I'm always adding more. So if you're ready to take the guesswork out of what the heck you need to eat to tackle your stubborn anxiety, go grab your Breaking Up With Anxiety recipe library at the link in the show notes. Okay, now on to the episode. I'm so excited to have this conversation today. I feel like we've been talking about it forever. And this is a part of my story that I definitely don't talk about enough. And so I'm super excited to hear what you have to say. And I'm sure everything you say, I'm going to be like, oh my gosh, I've been there. But basically, why I wanted to bring you on is because I really wanted to talk about how to identify if your romantic relationship is contributing to your anxiety. Because as much as I talk about, my specialty is the body stuff, the internal stuff, the gut health, the hormones, the nervous system, the inflammation, all of this. And as much as this 100% contributes to anxiety, we can't ignore the fact that situations in our life are also going to trigger and contribute to the anxiety. And this happened to me. So I'm so excited for this conversation. Why don't you kick it off, introduce yourself, and then we'll dive right in. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. So my name is April Mather. I am a relationship and manifestation coach. Definitely have a lot of personal experience as well as with my clients, of course, when it comes to anxiety in relationships. So I'm so happy that you invited me here to have this conversation today. 
So I wanted to just first get into how do you actually even identify if it's the romantic relationship that could be contributing or even causing your anxiety. And I know you said the gut health and all the physical health aspects are your specialty. And that's true. That's a huge, big piece of it. But there are definitely other factors that could be contributing to your anxiety. So the first thing I like to look at when I'm questioning this with a client is how comfortable do you feel communicating your needs, your desires, your future with your partner? So this is going to vary from stage to stage, depending on where you are in your relationship. And so if we think about when you're first dating, obviously these things might not just fall out of your mouth Mm -hmm. right from the (laughs) get-go. No. (laughs) There's a warm-up period and you're getting to know each other and that's great. But communicating your needs is going to be one of the first things and your values are going to be one of the first things that you, you should feel comfortable conveying to not a complete stranger, but somebody that you've at least been on one date with. There needs to be a level of understanding there so that you know you can you can connect with them further. Mm-hmm. I actually right. did this with Steve and he was the only person that I did this with and it, and I I it's because I'd been in therapy forever at this point and I had been in so many tumultuous relationships kind of leading up to him that within the first month like he must have been like holy moly like I was literally like this is, these are my expectations. These are my boundaries. Like, this is what I want in life. I even said to him, like, within like a month and a month and a half of dating, we were like in love and we had, you know, said that we loved each other. Uh, We had known each other for a lot, a while. There was a lot of history there. And um, I told him right soon after we had exchanged, you know, L-bombs, I was (laughs) like, I love you, but I will always love myself first and I will always put myself first. And from the beginning, I've always been like, I've always been like that, but I wasn't like that in any of my other relationships. I love that. I love that so much. And this has taken me personally some time to unravel and do for myself. And I was literally... So I've been married twice. In my first marriage, I was definitely, it was an abusive relationship on all fronts. So I was definitely the peacemaker and I was always watching, engaging reactions. And I was definitely in the responding to sort of role as opposed to, like you said, like saying what my boundaries are, saying what my expectations are, really putting myself and my needs first. So a good way to check, actually, if if you're doing that or if you're not doing that, do you have peacemaker tendencies? Are you kind of keeping everything together and you're like duck paddling <laughs> under the water, right? Just keeping it all together and no time for yourself and not able to fit yourself in and just really wanting the relationship to work. So I really like that you said that. Um, another really important piece to this is you, we need to establish a level of vulnerability in order to increase intimacy in a relationship. So if you find yourself anxious and stressed around your partner, 
um, new or even like six months into a relationship, if you're feeling that peacemaker, oh, what do they want? I got to do what they want first and not in a not in a resentful way, but you're actually happy to do that. It still can be detrimental to your mental health because it's not it's not allowing you to be open and vulnerable with them about your needs, which which totally puts a block or a wall up between your ability to be intimate with them. Mm-hmm. Like how how can you share goals and future and plans and things like that when you don't feel comfortable? Okay, I have hi- a question. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I just want to ask this before I lose it. Yep. Because I think in the beginning phases of dating, it's normal to feel like a little bit anxious, right? Because you're like, oh my gosh, is he going to text me? Does he like me? Like, I like him so much, blah, 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 right? Mm -hmm. So I think there's some level of just kind of normal anxiety that borders on excitement. Like excitement and anxiety are very, very similar emotions. Mm -hmm. And at what point would you say it becomes like abnormal to still be feeling anxious? Because, you know, for context, when Steve and I first started dating, I did experience a little bit of anxiety. Luckily, you know, I had a therapist or it could be for other people. They could be working with somebody like you. They could be working with like a coach. I've also worked with relationship coaches over the years, inner child coaches. I don't think it just has to be therapy. I think there's so many different avenues that we can take to really unpack like our stressors and our trauma and work on our mindset. But I had been with my therapist forever. And so luckily I had somebody that I was able to go to and express what was going on and kind of work through that. And it lasted not long, like I would say a month, you know, but in pre- like a-, a previous relationship that I was in, I had anxiety the entire time and the relationship lasted six months. So at what point would you say it's probably not so normal that you're still feeling anxious in the relationship? Yeah, this is a really good question, actually. And I think it's going to vary from person to person because your situation will vary. Mm -hmm. So if you are seeing this person or communicating with this person once a week, let's say, um, which I don't, I don't, I don't actually think is enough, enough. (laughs) I think you should be communicating with someone in a new relationship more than once a week, if it's something that's going to hold. Um, but let's say that's your situation and you're communicating once a week and maybe they live out of town or I don't know, there's a situation here mm-hmm. and a month in, two months in, you're feeling anxious when you think about a text from them or waiting for a text from them or what they're going to say, or I need to check in with them or I don't know, just, are they going to text back? Like you said, yeah. if you're feeling that I would say a month or two in, that's, there's something there's something else that's going on there um but I mean if same thing if you're communicate the more you communicate that with them I think like if you're communicating every other day or even on a daily basis uh I'm gonna say three weeks tops yeah three weeks tops yeah that's what I was kind of thinking and I'm you know I'm no relationship expert (laughs) but I'm just thinking from my experiences, mm-hmm. if it's happening in the in the beginning, it's like kind of normal. It passes quickly. It's like the excitement, that rush of the new relationship and like the weight. It's a little bit of a game, you know? You're playing a little bit of a game as much as I don't <laughs> love the whole relationship games. And all my single girlf- girlfriends, I'm like, stop playing the game. <laughs> Just tell them what you want. But I get it. It's like hard. You know, I'm sure you work with clients on this all the time. But in the beginning, it's like a game. It's exciting. But it, it really shouldn't be longer than a month. 
I think also it changes. It should change. So let's say, let's say, um, you know, a week in, so the things that you were anxious about or this like game that you're playing, are they going to text? Like what's, the, what's their pattern? What's their love language? Like what's going yes. on here? How do we settle in? You should be learning things about them and then developing a comfort level with that piece. Okay. So they text, they typically text me back within a couple hours or maybe they can't because they have a work, uh, a work. They have a job where they can't be on their phone all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know not to expect a text from them within this time and this time. So then the texting thing becomes a comfort level. But then there's a different, a different piece of the newness or the anxiety or the worry that is still unresolved because you haven't come up to it yet. Yeah, we could do like an entire episode on love languages and honestly maybe we should because that has also been so profound in my life not just with my partner but with like my friends and my parents and my siblings and understanding the love languages of the people in my life and having them understand like my love languages and that's something that I did with Steve in the first month as well as I made him take the quiz (laughs) yeah he's like it's so funny because he's like not into any personal development work but he's game like if I want to do something he just kind of teases me and rolls his eyes but he'll do it Mm-hmm. But he's not just like actively seeking it out himself, which is fine. Yeah. And it was important to know because I'm words of affirmation is my primary one. And then secondary is acts of service. And he is um, quality touch and physical time. So knowing that and how we give and receive love and how it's very different is a game changer. But anyway, keep going. <laughs> I, I would love to explore this more on another Let's podcast. do another episode all yeah. about love yeah. languages. Yeah, I have so many things I want to say too. Okay. <laughs> Putting a pin in it. Pin. <laughs> okay. So I'm going to move on here. What were we talking about? We were talking about vulnerability and intimacy. So when you're anxious, it's hard to be vulnerable, right? Mm-hmm. It just feels more stressful when you think about how can I talk about deep emotions and what I'm really thinking or feeling about this specific topic um, when you're stressed out. You can't. So it puts a block there. And that can come from, you know, that can come from childhood. That can come from previous relationships. There's so many things it can come from. It can come from from gut, right? Gut yeah. issues, which we know about with you. It's usually going to be all of it, P.S. <laughs> Spoiler <laughs> <Yeah>. alert. <laughs> We got a cocktail here. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Hey, it's me, Tay. I'm quickly interrupting this episode because you will hear April and I talking about a lot of different things that could create anxiety, like childhood, previous relationship, traumas, your gut health, hormonal health, etc. So, How do you know which is true for you? Well, I have something that can help. I offer an anxiety relief consult. It's a 45 minute private consultation call with me in which you complete my symptom intake forms and I review your entire health history and I can look at any testing you have had done as long as it's within the last six months to give you a detailed explanation of the root causes behind your anxiety. I want to help you uncover what body-based imbalances are at play here. And I will tell you exactly what I think needs to be done to release your anxiety. 
So if this is something that you're interested in, click, click the link in the show notes for more information. Okay, now back to the episode. Okay, so then then what I would look at is do when we're looking logically at the relationship and anxiety, do you feel more or less stressed in the presence of this person, of this of your partner? And like there's a difference, like Taylor, like you were saying, there's a difference between excited like the newness of it at the beginning of a relationship and that kind of feels a bit stressful but it's also exciting Mm -hmm. as it progresses it shouldn't feel stressful it shouldn't feel like nervousness in your belly or in your chest it shouldn't feel you know tightness in your chest or overthinking it shouldn't feel like that in the long term um like I was kind of I was talking about earlier there should be comfort levels that are met as you, let's call them mini milestones. As you hit mini milestones in your relationship, you should feel comfortable and happier on the overall to be in their presence or when you have a thought about them. It should make you feel good inside, obviously with you know the odd time where you're going to have arguments and disagreements and things like that, which is normal. Mm-hmm. Um. I just want to I just want to share for a second. I did say that I've been married a couple times. In my first marriage, I was stressed all the time. All the time I thought of him or or any time I was around him, it was very stressful. When he was away working cuz he would sometimes work out of town. Um I was I was living my life. It was great. <laughs> Bye. See you later. Yeah. See you never. <laughs> Yeah. Not until I you know, okay, it's, it's it's this Wednesday night, he's gonna come home. I gotta make sure this is done. I gotta make sure this. And it, it's just it, it shouldn't be like that. So in my second marriage, it wasn't like that. I what I didn't feel that stress. I didn't feel that anxiety. Um it, it's very different. It you should feel comfortable with your partner and around them for the most part. Uh, and then the other thing, yeah, go ahead. No, I, my cat's meowing. I don't know if you can hear it. Can you hear Abel meowing? I thought I heard something, oh. but I thought it was you. It's no, okay. it's not me. It's my cat. Um, I'm literally <laughs> just texted Steve being like, can you just let, open the door and let him in? He hates closed doors as most cats do, but mm-hmm. he really doesn't like when I lock him out of the bedroom if I'm in the bedroom. And so he's just... <laughs> crying and crying and crying and I have my whole setup like I physically cannot get up to like open the door and I think Steve is like outside on the balcony because I'm texting him being like can you just let him in (laughs) so anyway sorry I didn't say anything that was Abel I apologize to everybody listening and hearing my baby oh yeah I can hear he just opened the door so hopefully he'll let yeah (laughs) even in my in my programs in my training sometimes he's sitting there crying the whole time because I'm in like a closed room and I'm like can you not dude like stop it I'm working anyway sorry um yeah it's okay um so the other check the last check I would really look at Um, when you're wondering if anxiety is actually being caused or amplified by your romantic relationship is have other areas of your life or other relationships in your life changed 
since coming together. So you can look at all of these areas. You can look at your health. You can look at money. You can look at work, friends, family, all of it. Have, have any of these changed? And it doesn't have to be like my first marriage where it was abusive, right? It doesn't have to go to that extent. It can just, it, it can be, it can be stress and worry. Um, when we talk about health, for example, I know you can go into detail on that, Taylor, but you know, upset stomach, sleep disturbances, your energy can crash, or maybe you have to be more energetic, or you feel you have to be more energetic around this person. Um, I've encountered issues with my clients where their money situation changes, and they either, either start overspending, and that's causing them anxiety, or they start underspending, or <laughs> what do we call that? Underspending like the scarcity mindset comes in around their financial situation because their partner is very tight with money or sticks to a very tight budget. And it's changed their financial situation to the point where it's causing them anxiety. So really looking at all of these pieces, how's it, how's your work affected? Are you doing better at work? Are you distracted at work? Are you having trouble focusing? Um, have has everything remained status quo or improved in your life or have things shifted since meeting your partner since starting your dating um with this person oh this resonates with me so much because and i know you know pieces actually i don't even know how how much you know about my one relationship that really induced anxiety but I'll share, I'll share a little bit because the things that you're saying, I'm just like, oh, yep, 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 yep. <laughs> um, so I went to school for nutrition in 2015. And that was really when the tables turned for me. And within three to six months of going to school, my anxiety, like my daily anxiety was gone. No more panic attacks. The depression lifted. Like I still experienced a little bit of anxiety from time to time, but it was very few and far between. And then the longer that I continue to apply, like the the things that I was learning in school, like with the gut health and the hormones and the diet and all those things, the fewer and fewer and further between everything was until I would say, you know, maybe around like 2017, 2018, it was just like, I maybe experience anxiety like a few times a year and it's very situational. Like I'm running late for something or I'm hungover or like something like that, you know? Mm -hmm. And so in 2016, so I did my program. It was a two-year program. I did the first year and then I I felt like 95% better. Like I'm, I, I want to say a hundred percent better, but it just seems kind of crazy to say a hundred percent better, but I really did feel a hundred percent better. But I think it's because I was coming from like feeling like, the worst ever. (laughs) And so I left the program because I had no intention of being a nutritionist. Right. And so I left the program. I went back to Toronto. Um, I was going to finish up my undergrad. And at the exact same time I got in a relationship at that time. And so it was a brand new relationship. It was a long distance relationship. And it was like, I was moving back to Toronto and the anxiety came back And it was super frustrating because I was like, what the heck? Like my diet's on point. My gut health's amazing. (laughs) Like my Mm -hmm. hormones are good. Like what's going on? And in this specific situation, 
I didn't have any more work to do from a body-based perspective. I, well, I definitely could have learned to navigate stress a little bit better. And that did actually send me down like a rabbit hole of stress management practices and really honing in on like mastering my stress resilience. And now mm-hmm. I would say I navigate stress like pretty well, like kind of really good at it. <laughs> I still have my moments. Um, like there's been two situations this year that knocked me down and I was like bawling my eyes out in my bed being like, I just want to burn everything down. But out of like uh, 12 months out of the year, I think that's pretty good, you know? That's pretty good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so it was 2016 and um, the relationship ended up only lasting six months. And it was crazy. Like I was so anxious. I literally felt like I was crazy. And it just made me like do and say like things in the relationship, which didn't help and everything just kind of snowballed. And again, luckily I had the awareness. I also had a therapist. I had somebody to support me. I was able to see pretty quickly. I would say about three months in, I was able to recognize that it was the relationship. And then I stayed for another three months because I wanted it to work so bad and I wasn't quite yet ready to walk away. And the, like the, the, the person is an amazing person and I have nothing bad to say about him as a person, but the relationship itself was just, we weren't well matched. Like the communication was like really, really poor. When you talk about, you know, areas of my life that it started to impact, like it was massively impacting like my work, my concentration levels at work, my concentration and levels in school. Cause I'd gone back to school. I was overspending because it was long distance first of all. And, um, the communication, like texting daily communication was not strong and it left me like very, very, very anxious. We also like, were not, I didn't feel comfortable communicating what I really wanted out of the relationship because I was like worried that I was going to like scare him off. (laughs) And, um, when he would come to Toronto, we would be like, he liked to go out. He liked to drink. He liked to eat. He was making way more than me. And so it was like, I was like, I wanted to pull my weight. I wanted to keep up. And I was spending, I was serving, like I was in the restaurant industry at the time. I was also nannying and I was spending like everything I made from serving just to kind of like keep up with the relationship. And the relationship wasn't giving me anything I needed. It was just, I wanted to be with this person so bad and I was so friggin' anxious. And then when I eventually decided like, okay, I I need to like let this go, which was very hard. It was very devastating and it took me a long time to move on from it because I was just so sad it didn't work out. But when I finally decided, okay, like this is it, I ended the relationship I, it was over the holidays, it was over Christmas. And so I went back to Toronto in the new year and my roommate was literally just like, your energy is completely different. She's like, you're like a completely different person from this one single decision. And I was like, I know, literally I made that decision and it sucked, but my anxiety lifted. Like, I'm not even joking. Yes. Yes. The sign of a good decision, really. Yeah. It's like when you know, when you feel the relief, when you make the decision, even though the decision was super hard. And then, you know, there was the aftermath of all the grief and sadness and the expectations and the dreams and the reality that would never be and, you know, all of that stuff. But that was more just like processing those emotions. The anxiety was gone like that. Like that was all it took. And I that's why I wanted to have this conversation with you and bring it to the podcast because I did want to make it 
very clear that yes, like the body-based stuff is really important, but it's not always everything and I really like want to stress that that what I do doesn't replace like therapy or working with a mindset coach with you or working with a relationship coach like you or working with other people or making difficult life decisions Mm -hmm. for the benefit of your mental health which is honestly way harder than oh Steve's letting Abel in (laughs) (laughs) which is honestly way harder I think it's harder to make these big life decisions than it is to change your diet. In my yeah. opinion. It's yeah. hard, yeah. but it's harder to walk away from somebody you love. Yeah, you can still, there's so many situations where you can stay in a relationship and change your diet, right? Yeah. Whether, I mean, ideally they're very supportive and whether they're along for the ride or not, they're supportive of your dietary changes and things like that. Um, if not, that could be a source of anxiety as well. Um, but yeah, I, I would agree with you too. Um, I wanted to say something that you said there, or you're something you were talking about the decision you stayed for another three months after having already realized that this case, this is causing me anxiety, pardon me, this is causing me anxiety and I, I just want it to work. The, the last three months that you talked about there, I think that is it was likely just laden with anxiety because decision fatigue, second guessing yourself, self doubt, those are like the top <laughs> from from my perspective in the relationship coaching world. Um, when I speak with clients and I'm in the DMs with clients and or prospective clients and things like that, self doubt and second guessing. Not sure if you're making the right decision or if you should be doing something else. If you've given it your all, if you've done everything you can do, oh my gosh, this is like the most exhausting thing you can do. (laughs) And that's like, I felt like I was going crazy. Like, and I thought, I was like, why can't I make this work? Because in theory, I loved the idea of long distance. I'm so independent. I love my space. Like I just, I need so much space. Like I think I need more space than the average person. And that was like a learning curve when Steve and I moved in together. He was, it was very jarring for him how much space I needed. And in the beginning we had to have conversations where I'm like, this isn't personal. Like I'm literally like this with everybody. Like I was like this growing up with my family. Like I needed to be alone in my room with the door closed for like hours and hours and hours. And so in theory, I was like, I loved the idea of long distance. It didn't like, it didn't make me sad. It didn't freak me out. But like, there were many, 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 many reasons why the long distance relationship wasn't working out. But I was almost beating myself up because I was like, this is perfect for you, Taylor. Like, why can't you figure this out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I totally, I totally get that. It's, it's, it's hard because there were likely really good parts of the relationship still. Yeah, of course. And Right. Yeah. So then it's hard to decide and get through (laughs) to actually make that decision. And yeah, it's the second guessing. It's, it's really hard, but that relief that you talked about afterwards, where obviously there's grieving and there's the fallout of what could have been and all of, all of that kind of stuff is, is obviously going to happen when you end a relationship, whether it was, 
even even if it was all bad, to be honest, and I can speak from experience with my first marriage, it was pretty bad. But there were some really passionate, exciting times in our relationship that haven't occurred again. Mm-hmm. And I've never reached that level with someone else of passion. And there there were there were things in that relationship that um, I definitely had to grieve and I wasn't sure if it was the right decision. It, it was the right decision. It's always the right decision to leave an abusive relationship, but there's grief afterwards for sure. Can you talk quickly to, and I know this is kind of off topic, um, but can you speak quickly to, cause you know, you've been married twice and mm-hmm. can you speak to like this idea or this narrative, which is false that divorce is like a failure. Like, can you speak a little bit to that to people who've maybe like, who are going through a divorce or are thinking about getting divorced and feel like that's like a failure? Yes, yes, yes. So because I've been through this twice. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you know. (laughs) I know. Yes, I know. And I, I thought that the first, like both times, both times that was a thought that runs through your head. The first time I didn't have kids involved. So that was quote unquote easier, but not because you don't know what you don't know. And it's your situation. It's all relative. But um, in that situation, I mean, it it's abusive. So you can say, yes, obviously it's a no brainer to leave. There's so many pieces to that too, but it's, it's not a no brainer because you've bought into you've bought into the the life that you've envisioned together. You've bought into so much of the relationship. It's not always cut and dry. But the, the piece is, if you can't be yourself, if you can't live truly authentically, how you would live, and this is how I define you living truly authentically, is you would live the same way whether this person was in your life or not. Oh my God, that's so, so good. I just had such a life bulb moment. That's like a mic drop. It is, right? Yeah. Because I certainly wasn't living that way. Uh, parts of it in my second marriage, for sure. But in my first marriage, no. And I already talked about how he would leave and I would be a completely different person. Mm-hmm. That was my authentic self. That's who I really was. And I couldn't be that person. If you can't be that person in your relationship, something's wrong. And just because you're you're leaving the relationship, you're getting a divorce, you're getting separated, it it it's totally just a mindset reframing. It's not a failure. It's actually the best thing you can do for yourself and everyone in your life because you are becoming more of you. You are allowing not just yourself to be comfortable in your life but when you're when you are comfortable in your life and you are living the way that you love to live and doing the things you love to do you provide more of your magic more of your essence more of your brilliance to the people around you you're more inspired you're more energized you sleep better you it's you're a happier person and you bring more to this world your kids your your um you know, your extended family, everyone, your coworkers, you're just a a different person. You're doing a service for everyone. It's not just for you. Yeah. Yeah. I can like hear how passionate you are about it. And I love it. This is like me talking about gut health. I get so friggin' fired up, but 
this is why I also strongly believe and um, I don't know, maybe you feel the same way. We've never talked about this, but I think being single for a period of time is super important because this is how you Mm -hmm. learn who you are authentically and who you are on your own and what you like and when you're not influenced by other people. And then you can bring that into your relationship. Like I can't stand like that messaging. That's like my partner completes me. Like, no, he doesn't. You're full and complete on your own. He compliments you. Like Steve is like the most beautiful compliment to my life, but he does not complete my life. My, my life is complete on its own. And he's like this beautiful compliment that like I want forever, but he doesn't complete it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I actually deal with, uh, I have a lot of women I deal with who run into this, this exact scenario where they have given so much to the person in their relationship for so long that they they forget they forget that part they forget who they are mm-hmm. they don't even know what they would do if they had free time or alone time because a lot of women can't find that um, and you can you can do that in a relationship that's supportive you can find that it's a little trickier when you when you're already established in patterns but you can do it um, it's it's definitely easier to do when you are not in a relationship. And that's something I'm really sinking into right now and really enjoying in my single, my single period right now is, is anchoring more into the things that are really me and I had lost over the years and I was tapping into it in my last marriage, but it wasn't, I wasn't getting the freedom and the space I needed to really go into that that side of me. I love that. I'm so excited. I can't wait to watch. <laughs> it's very exciting. Yeah, yeah, it's exciting. I I also just want to say my I so I've been divorced twice or divorced and then separated. It doesn't have to be traumatic. I I just want to throw that out there. It doesn't have to be traumatic even for those of you who are listening who might have kids and families. It we have a beautiful relationship. I would say it's even better than when we were together. Mm. It just, it's very intentional. It, it just has to happen very intentionally. And there's a thought process and some, a lot of journaling I did. And there's a step-by-step process that I went through so that it could be this beautiful, peaceful, lovely separation where we can still do family things together and, the, the divorce, it, it was the best thing we could have done or the separation was the best thing we could have done for our family. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. As a child of, I mean, I am a child of divorce. My parents separated, well, they got divorced when I was three. I mean, I was, I was too young to remember, but obviously subconsciously there's things there. But mm-hmm. my dad remarried to a wonderful woman. My stepmom, she's been in my life since I was 18 months old. She is my mother in every single possible way. Together, they gave me my two beautiful sisters, technically half-sisters, but I would never call them that. You know, like they are my sisters. Mm-hmm. They're my best friends. I'm like obsessed with them. We have such a beautiful relationship. Um, but my dad and my stepmom have gone through a lot of turbulence over the years and I've had these conversations with them where they have decided to stay together for the kids and I because I was always so much older I would always tell them that's actually like not what you should be doing for us like that actually kind of makes it worse for us but that's a whole Mm -hmm. other conversation yeah (laughs) yeah yeah 
agree. (laughs) (laughs) But just what you said kind of brought that up. But anyway, let's, you know, circle back. I mean, April and I, we talked about this before we even jumped onto this recording, like April and I have known each other for a long time. We have multiple conversations, beautiful conversations like this and on many other topics multiple times a week. So um, there's just, we knew we'd go off on some tangents, but let's bring it back to, for people who are either aware that maybe their relationship is a source of their anxiety or now maybe questioning is my relationship a source of the anxiety, what would you kind of give them as next steps? Yeah. So your very first step, I would say, is to identify what your needs are. What are your needs, your personal needs? Not talking about the relationship. This is really, if you weren't living with anyone, if you weren't in a relationship with anyone, if you were single and loving life and having the time of your life, what are your needs? What are your future desires? What are your values? Check in with those like actually make a list, sit down and brainstorm, give your, put a timer on. If you feel like it's going to take forever, give yourself five minutes and you'll be surprised what comes out. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then check in and see if you're doing those. Are you, are you living that way? Are you able to, this would lead into the second part here is, are you able to communicate those needs and those desires with your partner? Um you may not know how if this wasn't something that you were taught how to do as a child or growing up, or if you've had a negative experience with relationships in the past and you've learned to kind of smooth things over or not rock the boat, you really may not even have the tools to communicate these needs and desires with your partner. And that's something that can be learned. It's not, you don't have to throw your hands up in the air and think, well, okay, I guess I just can't have a relationship or I'm just going to be anxious in this relationship forever. It's something that you can learn and it's not going to be comfy if you're not used to communicating things like this. But at the at the beginning, it won't be comfy, but it does get easier. And I'm speaking from personal experience there. We were, um, there was, there was not a lot of communication that went on in my household. It was very much, uh, if there was a conflict, it was like, my parents would argue behind closed doors. So I didn't know. Mm. And it just like everything's fine <laughs> we're <laughs> fine there's some tension here but don't don't really know what's going on right so I never had those examples and I I had to learn that myself and you can learn that yourself or with the help of a coach or a therapist or some someone else who can guide you um I would look at I would look at your your healing process. So what I mean by that is if you can identify, okay, no, I'm not living the way that I would if I was living my happiest life, my happiest single girl life, Mm -hmm. I have some gaps here. I would look at what those gaps are and are they physical? Are they emotional? And I would start to itemize, jot these things down on paper so you're not running thoughts over and over in your mind, that is, that causes anxiety in itself. 
jot these things down so you can see them and you can organize them on paper. What, what do I need to learn? What do I need to say? Um, what are maybe some new habits or some new actions that I need to start baby stepping into? Really start to look at those pieces objectively and really baby step. Start with one little piece um, and start making movement forward there. Yeah. So that. Go ahead. I was just going to say, like, I wanted to emphasize the baby step part because mm-hmm. when there is anxiety, we just want to, like, run to the finish line and to get better ASAP because we're tired of feeling like shit. And it's something I have to repeat to my clients all the time, all the time, all the time is like, slow down, move slower, integrate, pause, like stop and Mm -hmm. actually integrate this piece and move on. And it's not what people want to hear. People are just like, I just want to like, tell me what to do. I'm just going to do all these things and I'm going to get better. But the implementation is what actually gets you to wherever it is that you're going and that unfortunately, but also fortunately takes time. There's a lesson in how long it takes as well. Um, But I just really wanted to pause and emphasize this because it doesn't matter what we're talking about. If we're talking about diet or gut health or hormones or regulating the nervous system or, you know, learning to communicate better or working on all these things that April and I are talking about, really taking baby steps and that you have to like almost fight against who we are as humans to do that. Mm-hmm. so important to like slow the F down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I completely resonate with this. And if I'm not checking myself personally, I will, I will definitely do that <laughs> in any area of my life. I just want to jump in. Let's do it. Let's go. Your generator energy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, It's totally my generator energy. Like <laughs> let's get out. What are the steps? I'm going to do them all today and we're going to be good. And that's just not how it works. No. Meanwhile, my projector is like, okay, I see the steps, but I'm going to do one today. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's work for me to see all the steps. I'm like, great. I have an hour. Let's get through them all. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. Yeah. Um, Even as an example of breaking down a baby step here, like a baby step just in these first couple things that I've talked about, your first step could be saying something to your partner like I've been doing some reflecting and I realize that I'm not I'm not doing the I don't know maybe I'm not playing tennis anymore or I'm not playing tennis anymore or I'm not reading anymore and I used to really love doing that um so I I'm really exploring what the things are that I used to do before I was in a relationship and I want to start kind of bringing those back into my life that can literally be a baby step. That is you learning to communicate, hey, I've been exploring some things I used to do and I miss and sharing with your partner, being vulnerable with them about, I'm going to start doing this. And who knows what they say? Maybe they also miss reading. Maybe they also used to play tennis or maybe they don't, but they miss playing hockey or something else. And this creates a beautiful space for you guys to do different things and honor each other's alone time. You are like the queen of, I call them scripts. And my therapist 
is really great at this as well. And I've been going to her for years for scripts, but because you are my friend and I selfishly have access to you, um, I have asked you to reframe things for me many times. Like I have been like, this is what I want to communicate. This is what I want to say. Like, can you help me say it in like, I don't know, like a less passive aggressive way because when you're the person who's in it, it can come off like very passive aggressive, right? Yes. Uh, especially how, if you if you aren't kind of doing the work to step back and, and give it perspective and take the space and, you know, breathe and step away. I'm, I'm more reactive. Like that's what was modeled for me growing up. Like you said, your parents would take fights behind closed doors. My parents like did not. <laughs> and so for me, like it's completely normal to like to fight and to fight loudly. And I've done so much work on that over the years and I'm leaps and bounds and bounds ahead of like where I used to be in terms of how reactive I am, but it's, it's subconscious programming. Right. So it still slips in from mm -hmm. time to time. Whereas Steve is the opposite. Like, um, what his, what he learned and what was modeled for him was, was much more quiet than me. And so, um, I'm learning so much from him to like step back when I'm triggered and take time to process it and then circle back. But I just have to say for anybody listening, um, if any of this is piquing your interest, honestly, reach out to April reach out to our Instagram is probably the best way, a, a April. Yeah, but yeah, if you're sure. interested in kind of working with a relationship coach, April is brilliant. Like the amount of things you have helped me, like, re like, honestly, I feel like my communication is better because I've had you in my life since like 2019. Thank you for saying that. Oh, you're so, so welcome. Nice and it's so true. It. And I really just wanted to pause and really highlight that because I'm sure I've told you over the years, but um, I'm super grateful for all the times that you have supported me and it's little things. Like sometimes I'll say something and you'll just quickly write something back and you'll reframe what I said. And I'm like, damn, that's so much better. <laughs> I feel the same. I really cherish our friendship. I'm, I'm so grateful that you feel that way about how, how I respond and the reframes that I've given you. So uh, thank you for saying that. Yeah. That's and so I nice. feel like sometimes people think like I should be able to figure this out on my own and, and you don't, you shouldn't like, we need to get, mm -hmm. we need to get out of our own damn way and think that we should be able to fix everything ourselves and figure everything out ourselves. And I have to say between you and my therapist, like it has been invaluable how these like little scripts is what I call them. And it was a big part of learning boundaries for me and helping me establish and hold boundaries, which I talked all about in the boundaries episode. If anybody has not listened to that, it's with my therapist, go back and listen to that. But she, her and I would write scripts and I would literally read those scripts to people in my life that I was trying to set boundaries for. And when I say a script, it's like a couple sentences. And mm -hmm. she still does that with me. And you're the other person in my life who helps me like, recently when I had to leave a job, remember I was coming to you and I was like, this is what I want to say to leave the job. And you were just helping me with a few tweaks and just having like a coach or a mentor or a therapist or somebody who can help you with that. Like, I don't know, like, I think that's just like crazy valuable. Yeah, I, I fully agree. And I, I have my own therapist and I have my own coach as well. Mm -hmm. I think we all need someone to bounce ideas off of and just kind of I don't know. Sometimes you need someone who can see from the outside in and get you back on track with how they know sort of the path that they know they know they know the path that you want to follow, mm -hmm. but in that moment you can't see it or, or it feels cloudy and a coach or a therapist can really help you to take the clouds away and re-clarify 
oh yes okay so this is how I get there Mm -hmm. yeah you like can't see the forest through the trees and even my therapist has a therapist my naturopathic doctor has a naturopathic doctor like when you're when you're so close to it because it's you it's really hard to see the forest through the trees and some things we can figure out on our own a hundred percent and other times like you said it's just way too cloudy and we're just way too close to it yeah yeah for sure for sure Okay, yeah, so we were talking about learning to communicate our, our needs and how this can be learned. <laughs> Continue. Yes, this can be learned. Um, and then and then another point here is you, you, as you're exploring these ideas, what are my needs? How can I communicate them? Let's say you're met with a lot of resistance. You're communicating as beautifully as you can. You've been learning how to communicate better. You're setting boundaries. You're being more assertive with your time and your standards and all of these beautiful things. Go you. (laughs) Go you. And let's say you're being hit with a wall and your partner is just not having it and they're not supportive and they don't understand and you're just, while we do have to repeat our boundaries and that is a normal piece of boundary setting, um, especially at the beginning. Um, or primarily at the beginning, I should say, if you're doing it over and over and over again, and it's just, there's just no change and it's a beautiful boundary, being brave enough to look at that relationship honestly and decide, is this for me or is this relationship maybe not for me? Mm-hmm. And that's hard. And we talked about that earlier with you, Taylor, right? And I've been through that for sure. Is this relationship for me? For some people, the question will be, is this relationship for me right now at this time? Sometimes it's helpful to separate and heal and then come back together. Sometimes that's not the case. And sometimes it's an indefinite separation or a divorce or moving on from each other. Um, And that, and the beacon or the, the anchor line we want to look at is when you're expressing yourself authentically, you're being you, you're being assertive, you're really stepping into your power and what you deserve, your self-worth, all this really good stuff, and it's not being honored, that's a problem. Mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. So I think this really all comes down to looking at your self-worth and healing that, increasing your self-worth, understanding what you're worthy of, what you're deserving of, not in an entitled way, but just in a regular human being. You are worthy of feeling good in your relationships type way. And then healing any of those gaps, whether you're with this person or without them. So if you decide that this relationship isn't going to work, then when you leave the relationship, you don't pack it all in and put it away in a desk that still needs healing. Otherwise you're just going to repeat the same patterns in your next relationship. Mm -hmm. I have a question for you about self-worth because I think if we had to boil everything down to like, what does it really come down to? Like why you're repeating patterns in relationships, why you're not making the dietary changes, why you're not making the lifestyle changes, why you're not doing X, Y, Z. Like I think it all comes down to self-worth like in its most simplest form. 
And I really struggle, even when I was uh, talking with my therapist uh, in episode two about boundaries, she said the same thing, like setting and holding boundaries, it all comes down to self-worth, which was not news to me because I've been working with her forever. But I really think that so many better decisions in life, if not all of them, come down to that. And I struggle to talk about it because I don't want, I, I don't know, I feel like I don't want people to say that I'm like telling them... Are you, do you understand what I'm trying to say here? Like, what are your thoughts around this? Like, how would you explain to somebody in a way that doesn't feel like accusatory? Maybe this is my own mindset block here, but I feel like the more I talk about self-worth, I'm like, oh no, are people going to think I'm like accusing them of like not, you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 I, that's interesting that you're saying this because this is something I've sort of mulled around in my mind, but not consciously. Like I haven't formulated the thoughts to like you just did to say it out loud or write it down in a journal about what it feels like or what I'm thinking about. But even when I, I realize upon reflection, when I have been doing work on my own self-worth, I have been resistant in the past to even writing those words that, oh, how could my self-worth be low? Mm -hmm. How could I not care about, of course I care about myself. Of course I do things for myself. I'm not like, you know, sitting in a hole and not doing anything. And I think, I don't know where this comes from, but maybe it's the the social narrative or the societal narrative, what we've experienced growing up. I don't know that low self-worth means the very dramatic other end of the spectrum. That's what I was going to say. It sounds extreme. It sounds dramatic, but there's different levels. Yes. Yes. There's different levels. So right now I I have pretty good self-worth. Can it be improved? Uh, Yes. Drastically. (laughs) Same. (laughs) Right. And in different areas of your life, like when it comes to relationships, there's how worthy do I feel in a relationship is different versus how worthy do I feel to, I don't know, run a $5 million business. Mm -hmm. They're different. (laughs) 1000%. You took the words out of my mouth. Like you can almost kind of like in one area be like, oh yeah, I'm like crushing it in this area. I'm so in my power. I'm so in my self-worth. I feel so worthy in this one area. Like for me, I would say in my relationships, I've done a lot of work there to get to this space. And then in running my business and, and running my practice, there's like these sneaky little these sneaky little subconscious thoughts that yeah. kind of sneak up or like maybe for some people it's in work or maybe in, with some people it's in their health. Like for me, I feel like my self-worth when it comes to my health is insane. Like my boundaries around my health are like locked and loaded, like, you know, mm-hmm. but that's also, I've been doing this work since 2015. So that's meant a lot of years and it wasn't like that right off the get-go, but then in other areas of my life, in some friendships, in specific friendships, my self-worth is low. And I know that. And it's like, do I work on that? Or is that friendship maybe not the right friendship for me? Right. You know, so there's different areas. I'm so glad you brought that up. Yeah. And then do you think also self-worth, like I I think that self-worth and let's say your base level of self-worth, I feel like that comes from childhood initially and patterns and watching parents and siblings and whoever in your life the 
the person at the grocery store. It can Your be anyone. Right? Like everyone who influences, yeah. like we're, we're little sponges, like as we're growing up. Yeah. So I feel like there's also shame around it because we don't know why we feel low in like low self-worth or lower self-worth in one area. And I don't think we could really have changed it. Like it's, Mm -hmm. it, we can change it going forward. It takes awareness and it takes intention, but it's so ingrained Mm -hmm. and it's not, I want to say like, it's not your fault. It's not. And that's what I think trips me up is I want to start speaking about this more, but I'm like worried about offending people, but also like I need to not worry about offending people because that's really out of my control if someone takes what I'm saying mm-hmm. in like a written post and reads it a certain way based on their pro- based on whatever they're going through and their projections and they take it a certain way because I genuinely mean it from a very kind, caring, loving place. And mm-hmm. it's something I really believe and other people might not believe that and that's fine. Like my truth is going to be different than someone else's truth, but this is based on my lived experience. But it sounds like so negative and like accusatory and it sounds like I'm making it sound like it's somebody else's fault. And so I'm so glad that you brought that up because I think that's what was tripping me up is I was like nervous to talk so much about like kind of self-worth because I didn't want people, I didn't want people to take it as me being like, well, this is your your fault. This is all on you. You need Mm -hmm. to change. And especially when we're talking about mental health, like it's just like, (laughs) what? (laughs) I gotta do this now. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I I agree with you. And and it's also not like an I'm better than you. Yes. Kind of it's like we're all at different parts on our journey in different areas in our lives. And it's I don't know, I think there's a very equal thing about it. We're just sharing information with each other. And like on a human level, I'm like, oh, you struggle in that area, me too. Yeah. Yeah. Here's what I did. This helped. Yeah. 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 Okay. So I love steps. As you know, the projector in me, I I love like, okay, what's the big vision and how are the steps to get here? So if we kind of had to summarize your process in like four to five steps, like what we just kind of talked about, what would that be? I have an idea of what that would be, but I, I, you'll, you'll say it better. For sure. So basically, you're going to go, you're going to take some alone time. You're going to get a journal and you're going to get a pen and you're going to write down what what you would like to do if nobody cared what you were doing. Every Not even that. What you would like to do, how you would like to live your life if everyone cheered you on. Maybe even your partner that's there with you. They're like, yes, I love that about you. Do mm-hmm. more of that. So what are those things? Are you doing them? Next, do I feel comfortable communicating this? No, you don't. Or what pieces you don't? Why is that? Then I would start digging. Is it, um, is it like gut health that's causing my anxiety? And it's something that I need to I need to look at my health over. Does it come from emotional trauma? Does it come from past experiences? Is there inner child healing? Are there other things that I need to heal? And then you can start resourcing for that. And then number three, I would look at, you have to do these in order. Yeah. <laughs> you can't skip number Very three. important. <laughs> yeah. So number three, you're going to look at 
your relationship from a very honest perspective. So you've tested out communication, you've conveyed how you feel. Is it working? Is it not working? You're going to make that decision because we know from the beginning of this episode that to grow intimately together, you need to be able to foster vulnerability between both of you. Yeah. And both people need to be game. Like both. Yes. It's super important that your partner is willing to grow and evolve with you. And that was, you know, and and if we kind of circle back to my example that I gave, had that person been willing to grow and evolve and really work on the relationship, it might have turned out differently, but that wasn't, that just wasn't the reality. And that's fine. Yeah. Yeah, that's fine. But then you, you need to be brave enough and courageous enough to know that it's, it's like, it's this or something better. So this isn't working. There's something not even better, but more aligned for you, right? There's some, this, the better relationship for you as a person is out there and it's not with this person right now. And then, and then I would explore your, your first baby step. What do you, what, how do you want to move forward? What do you want to work on? Do you want to work on being more assertive? Do you want to work on um, dietary changes do you want to get yourself a coach or a therapist? What do you want to do so that, because I'm assuming that you're, you've listened to this whole podcast episode, you're interested in growth and expansion. Yeah, you haven't <laughs> turned it off by now, so. <laughs> so look at your next step. Where do you want to grow and evolve so that your next relationship or your current relationship that you're choosing to stay in can improve and get better and be even even better than you thought it could be love that love that thank you so much thank you so much for giving me those concrete steps <laughs> of course I love steps too I just try to do them all at once and I gotta <laughs> check myself yeah we gotta take it slow and steady one percent better a day baby okay. steps slow and steady wins the race it's that age-old what tortoise in the, the hair or whatever but it yeah, is, it is true. You're the hair. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Someone's got to keep pulling me back. <laughs> yeah, I have enough awareness that I'm pretty good at catching myself these days. Yeah, and you can catch yourself. It might take a day or two days or maybe a week, but you catch yourself and then you catch yourself and you catch yourself. Yeah, yeah. And that's how you practice and that's how you get better at it. And then that's how you slow yourself down. Love it. Okay, tell everybody where they can find you because obviously everybody's going to be like, we need to hang out with this chick online. (laughs) Yeah, come hang out with me. So I'm mostly hanging out over on Instagram and my handle is aprilmather.xo. It's spelled A-P-R-I-L-M-A-T-H-E-R.xo. We'll link it in the show notes too. Yeah, I'm usually in my stories and yeah, that's where you can mostly find me. And definitely watch the stories because I learned so much just watching your stories. <laughs> okay, yeah, I love I love hanging out in the stories. Yeah. It's fun for me. Love yeah. it. Oh, well, thank you so much, April. And until we bring you on again, because we will. Amazing. I'd love to come back. Bye. Thank you so much.
that is a wrap. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I have one quick favor to ask you before you go. If you love today's episode, I would so appreciate if you left a review on whatever podcast platform you are listening to right now. My goal with this podcast is to reach as many people as possible to spread awareness that anxiety is not this incurable disease. It's not something we just have to live with. It's definitely not just part of your personality. And there are body-based imbalances that need to be addressed in order to truly be free from chronic anxiety. With awareness comes action. And the more people this podcast can reach, the less people will struggle with anxiety. And positive reviews are the number one way to help new people discover the show. You are the best. Thank you so much for being here. I appreciate you so, so, so much. One last thing, my legal medical disclaimer. The Breaking Up With Anxiety podcast with me, Taylor Jandro, is for general information and educational purposes only. And the advice and recommendations I give or my guests give throughout the episodes do not replace medical advice. The consumption of this podcast does not qualify as a practitioner-client relationship with me, and the use and implementation of the information discussed are at the sole discretion of the listener. Yes, I am a nutritionist, but I am not your nutritionist. So please discuss any changes with your primary healthcare provider. Okay, that's it. Until the next episode, bye for now.